Is it doing it? We are recording. We're going to have too much coffee. Lovely. You're going to see the interview everyone is going to be talking about. Wagon wheel, what to see? What do I think of her? Yes. I don't think of her. Then we become divas as opposed to just strong women. Ah, coughing during my interview, really? It feels uh, reductive. to Big Diva Energy, the podcast for and about fabulous people being fucking extralent. I'm Holly Morgan, I'm obsessed with divas, and my husband Tom is also here. Big girls need big diamonds. And our subject is, it, it literally doesn't get, you don't get bigger Hollywood royalty. From child star to most infamous woman in the world, our subject was an actress, a humanitarian, a legend. As famous for her screen work, she won two Oscars, two BAFTAs and a BAFTA fellowship as her love life, eight marriages, seven husbands. In this series, we'll be deep devering into the early life of the legendary Elizabeth Taylor. And with us to discuss this Hollywood diamond is another absolute gem. They are a writer, a singer, a performer, and a fucking hilarious one at that. They grew up in Brighton before studying English literature at Warwick University and have enjoyed a stint as an artist in residence at the Roundhouse and also as a writer with Soho Young Writers. As a songwriter, they have supported artists such as cabaret icon Camilo Sullivan and the Tiger Lilies. Their stonking half-open mic, half-play Elsa showcased their prodigious talents as a theatre maker, singer, and actress to translate transform into a host of hilarious characters whilst transporting us into their world with her unique lyrical songwriting. It's the fabulous Isabel Rogers! I know everyone's like, wow, I love that. That Your little face. I know, do people remain composed? (laughs) That was just amazing. It was so lovely. You were like... Lyrical? What was that? (laughs) I'll give you a copy to take home and frame. Just read it on the train. (laughs) Stunning. So you might be able to tell, dear listener, from the uh, audio quality, we're all in the same room. Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. am. I the first one in the yeah. room? Oh, first one wow. in the room. It's quite iconic. Ooh, yeah, it's very iconic. Yeah. I can sort of see you over the mic. <laughs> We've put as well on a forest of microphones. Well, it's because I'm you, like, post-pandemic practising eye contact with people. Yeah. So this is nice. Because <laughs> we can just see each other's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I was always really bad at eye contact. I always used to get told off about it. You're really good right now. Am I doing it yeah, all right? and you've got nice glasses on. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I've got glasses on. Are you going to do a film of, like, ever film this? Oh, yeah, we could do that, actually. Put it on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, become Some YouTubers. Yeah, yeah. I always, I, well, I don't always, sometimes I watch the podcast. This is oh, really do you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I watch podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I quite like seeing, like, facial expressions. Also, some pods, like, reference, like, what someone's just done. Ah. Forgetting they're on the radio. Yeah, they do. Quite yeah, yeah. And so I like to see that happen. That's good. This is irrelevant, so carry on. <laughs> no, Please carry on. <laughs> that, oh, it's so yeah. lovely to see you. It's so nice to see you. So, lovely. Oh, dear listener, we, we met as well, and when we were both, both of us doing our debut fringe shows, mm. we were in the same venue. Yeah. One after the other? One were after you before the other? or after? Can't I remember. think I was after. Yes. Because like, you had come off. before. Yeah, Lucy was before, then you guys, and then you'd come off, and I'd be like, how was it? Actually, no, these boys were right before me. Who were really oh, intense. Yeah. Yeah. Footlights. No, Maybe. Like, or like Durham? Edinburgh version yeah. of Durham version of footlights. They would fly a like a rugby team. Like I mean in oh terms of like God. level of flyering. Jeez. Like there were like twenty of them on the mile, like, yeah, I got a crowd of five hundred today or oh something. My God. <laughs> like, really good at flying. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I know they were before me. Maybe you got you guys were after. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. then Lucy Farrett was in between. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Friend of the pod, Lucy Farrett. Big yeah. shout out. Yeah. yeah. Lady Face Show. Love that. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. I'm promoting a show that isn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Face. Five, five years. <laughs> Go check that out. In the <laughs> Assembly room. Uh, yeah, we were, we were on Assembly Hall, which is a, a lovely venue. Beautiful venue. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not near the others. Not it near the others. Makes it sound central, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's not. It's near the station. Yeah, yeah. really. If so you're you coming get, in for the day. Yeah. People come off the train like, let's see that show. Yeah. And then everyone else would be in the centre. Yeah. Edinburgh. <laughs> it was largely OAPs, I would have said. Yeah, a lot. I got a lot of men expecting a Leonard Cohen kind of vibe. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I, I don't... I think I was billed with like a Leonard Cohen's like tribute show so, yeah. and a Joni Mitchell tribute show. Oh. I get it. I have about two kind of singer songwritery vibe songs. Yeah, but otherwise not. <laughs> it, it missold. Yeah, definitely it missold. Sometimes when I had like my demographic, it was amazing. When I had like men and like angry wives, <laughs> they, they, some, some women like seemed to really not like me in the front row. <laughs> so I was like saying like. I was like, swear words. I think we're not happy. You, do you not swear on this? No, 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 no we are. You do say, yeah. yeah. Very much so. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm pure and relaxed. Good for you. Yeah. You're better than us. Some people would seem um, perturbed. But otherwise, it was really fun when you had a good crowd. Yeah. <laughs> we had a very elderly crowd as well. <laughs> I think Bassie brought them in. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, and we swore a lot and stuff. And, uh, I, the show was called Seven Crazy Bitches, so I don't know quite quite what they were expecting, but it was it was a it was grey crowd for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Also, we were always on the two for one, which was down by the station. Mm. Yeah, and they just came up the hill. So, although I'm surprised yeah. they made it. Yeah, <laughs> steep hill. <laughs> but we had a nice time. No, thanks, didn't thanks we? for coming, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks, thanks, thanks for your money. What is your demographic? When you um, say? I'd say for Elsa, it was to be honest. I feel like it can uh, reach like lots of different demographics apart from young yeah so, um, tots tots not for no tots because that was the thing in the first week because it's called elsa i oh, had frozen no. fans so i had like i remember performing my one night stand song and there was like four nine-year-olds in the front row oh god and i was like court side of your contemplate this and i was like shit <laughs> <laughs> you're nine but older crowd and and like 20 30 something for some yeah. things and like, all of that mixed together is lovely. Yeah, like, yeah No shade yeah. on the older crowd. Mi- like, all, all lots of women as well mixed together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's really fun. Just below 16 wasn't great. I remember calling up being like, I need to up the, what's it called? PG. Yeah. Uh, but whatever it is on Like stage. advisory. Or yeah, advisory yeah, yeah. to plus 14. Oh my God, it went really dark in this room as I said that. <laughs> it was like dark <laughs> memories. <laughs> Up it to 16, there's nine-year-olds in the show. Yeah. See, so if we'd been filming that, everyone would be able to, to yeah, witness. Yeah, to see that. But I described it. Like You did, actually. It was very vivid. Um, I think you don't swear, the medium. your vocabulary is better. So it's like you've got much more yeah, access when to I, it. When I swore, though, I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's still bad. Without the videos where they can't see what I can see, which is because I know you've got this fabulous coat on, but you've got it on your shoulders. It's got a red pocket. And to me, it looks like yeah. you're draped in the British flag. <laughs> Nationalist as well, Rogers. Nationalist. Just come here supporting the troops. UK. Yeah. <laughs> Hope they're doing well. <laughs> they're it's not. A lovely jacket. <laughs> Famously. They're not. No. Right now. <sighs> no, this is um, this is a, a gift, not from a any brand, from a friend. <laughs> I'd love that though if that's like gifted. Are you not doing any collabs? Not. Yeah. <laughs> but shout out. Yeah. <laughs> 
Shout out to Calvin Klein. <laughs> <laughs> no, my friends are um, pop star Loki, and um, oh wow, just like hinting, no, just saying that. But like, <laughs> she um, gave me this. Oh, I love it. It's, it's absolutely iconic. Who's your friend? I don't know. I like to sense a thing. Yeah! But though, that's why I've got this nice little jacket. I wouldn't normally have it. It's fab. Yeah. It's Maybe we'll have, nice. take, we'll have to take a picture for the Instagram. <laughs> yeah. so everyone can do it now? Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll take a picture at the end. Do the end. Which we haven't done. No, we haven't. For... Ha- Two years? Because we've Whoa. not been in the same place as the do people. We used to like we to do pictures. That, yeah. Of, yeah, we should have done. <laughs> There's no excuse. We could famously see the people we were speaking to. No. Um, anywho, um, <laughs> we would like to ask you some really stupid questions. Would you like to be asked these stupid yeah, questions? Yeah, I can't wait. I'm like shaking from the coffee. Oh. So that'll be really speedy. Amazing. Right, well. <laughs> Amazing. Question one I will always love you. Who is your all-time favourite diva? Yeah, love this. So, mine are two... I'm like, yeah, prepared for yeah. this. <laughs> mine are two fictional ones. Ooh. Oh. Have you had that before? No, Rose. You might have had these two, though. I don't know, people might mention them. So, have you guys watched Veep? Yes. Yeah. Selena Mayer. I think she's my all-time favourite diva. Oh. Wow. By um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Amazing. Is this, like, illegal? Because she's not real. No, no. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I would have accepted Julie Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, yeah, I know, but then I, because, because also Elaine from Seinfeld, but also her in everyday life. Well, that's the thing; it goes into the idea of what is a diva. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know whether I'd classify her as diva, but you have had Tina Fey. Yeah, we have. So I was just like, Some of the her vibes. character, yeah, is it as Selena Mayer is ultimate diva. Yes. She's so fantastic playing her, and she's just so funny, and she has to she's a vice president in a man's world and she has to kind of fight against that every single day yeah whilst being like get me a croissant gary like (laughs) just just like i just love her i think she's ultimate diva and my second one have you watched call my agent a bit it's annoying when people say have you watched this i hate i hate it because when i haven't watched it i feel like actual shame (laughs) deep Shame. <laughs> You're like, I'm fine, but no. I do. Um, <laughs> you, you brought this to us. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, do you feel really bad? <laughs> um, I'm going to take my jacket off because it's making me feel like enclosed. She's no longer proud of being British. No. <laughs> <laughs> this conversation is. This is what it's like. Now I want to be French because I like call my agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's the thing. She make, She's so chic. Basically, she plays um, an agent, uh-huh. but like top agent at this fre- French actor's agency. And she's just incredibly chic. Also, I found it really funny that, like, obviously her clients are meant to be the divas. Yeah. Because, like, actors, actresses. But she is a diva within a kind of more restricted role. Mm. Like, obviously, actors get to have more demands. Yes. And, like, say more demands. But she... um, She's just, like... She, like, has, like, actual breakdowns. She, like, swears at people... She like jumps over fences to go like get a client or talk to a client and like falls in the mud and she's like, oh, nerd, but like fuck or whatever <laughs> English. And then she just like wipes herself off and just carries on with her job looking amazing. Is she the lesbian one? Yeah. Yeah, she yeah, is yeah, fucking yeah. fabulous. She's just yeah. so brilliant. And yeah. Camille Cotton, the person who plays her, is just, I sort of like think she's amazing. Yeah, she's. So those yeah. two women are my fictional favorite divas. Very strong choices. Mm. <laughs> No, no, I'm I'm noticing. <laughs> but well, no, workplace divas. Yeah, interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's why 
that's what makes them funny. Yeah. they have limitations on them. That's the thing. Like, she's, yeah. not, she's not meant to throw tantrums. She's meant to be cool, calm, collected as an agent. Yes, yeah. But um, she does throw these, like, hissy fits and, like, acts in a way that she's probably not meant to. So yeah. that's what makes them funny. They're yeah. Like funny divas. Yeah. Um, is it also yeah. as a freelancer, you're just like, ah, what is that world? Yeah, <laughs> I've done a bit of it in an office. Have you? Yeah, but to the BBC for a bit. Oh, did you? I, lo- I really loved that. Sometimes I do think maybe I'd quite like that again. <laughs> I'm like not finishing my sentences. I'm like, don't talk about how you want to work at the BBC. <laughs> Would no. they let you back? Or? Um, well, the programme's over. Uh, so no. <laughs> so I guess not, not to that one. And it was like, I was like production assistant, research. Oh, that's a cool job. It's cool. I had to put Shakespeare quotes. Um, no, I had to find Shakespeare quotes that you could put in a script that was that took place in World War One. So the writers um, looked at my Shakespeare quotes and then put them into the script so that Radio 4 listeners could listen out for for the Shakespeare quotes and guess which ones were Shakespeare quotes. Oh, wow. So it'd be like, like there's like a Hamlet one, like, like a green girl or something. Yeah. So you could put that in as like a kind of normal idiom phrase yeah. in World War One language. It's like bingo for cunts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I stop talking I would about your Shakespeare quotes. <laughs> it was a really good What uh, were they, Do people have to write in and say which ones they were? I think um, people did, yeah. <laughs> I'm like... It's really nice. I love that job. Um, it was a really good job. And also just like production assistants, so I like looked after the actors and like went and collected them from the station sometimes. <laughs> if they didn't know where to get Nice to, to go the, outside. It, it was literally like one minute away and they'd be like, I don't know where it is. <laughs> were you in White City? Over in the, um, the I was one. in Birmingham. Oh, oh wow. no yeah. wonder they were confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where am I, love? No, one actor was literally like um, really precious, like, I'm in Birmingham. Birmingham. Is that <laughs> what he said? Birmingham. He's like, where the hell is this place? <laughs> it's like, just turn right and you're, you're there. <laughs> you'll you'll really, see it. Really funny, though. Like, really fun job. Oh, now I'm like wistfully looking at those lilies over there, like, I should return. <laughs> <laughs> they have lilies. They are lilies, aren't they? They are lilies, yeah. 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 Some of them are a bit dead, so. Yeah. <laughs> Should have really <laughs> refreshed the water for like you. Your came dreams around. of working at the BBC. Yeah, there we go. They are. Oh my god. Quite Ophelia. I'd like to like write for the BBC, shout out. Yeah, I'd like that too. <laughs> we'd all like to write for the BBC. Yeah. We're manifesting now that yeah, we would yeah, like yeah. our creative work to be on the BBC. Yeah, I think that's how it works. Yeah. Um, the BBC producers are listening. Uh, three writers right here. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Really keen and eager. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't got much on. Has so. experience writing down millions of Shakespeare quotes. <laughs> yeah. If you've got any Shakespeare specific work, we are <laughs> the gang for you. Yeah, sure. My second question yeah. Who runs the world? To which diva would you give the nuclear codes and pourquoi? Okay, now I do sound really pretentious, but I'll say it non pretentiously. Um, I was talking to my friend about it yesterday. Okay, Virginia Woolf. Yeah. A, she's a diva because she like slags off everyone in her diary. Yes. Like, in a like really funny way. She's like, that book shit. <laughs> <laughs> like they write badly. Um, she described James Joyce. She was like, he's like an awkward undergrad scratching his pimples or something like that. <laughs> like she's just like savage. So she's really diva-ish in that way. And she was a massive pacifist. Oh, yeah. So I good. thought that would be a good person to have the nuclear code. Yeah, really good. Very good. Do I good. sound like a wanker? <laughs> no, no. I'm like, I'm Virginia Woolf. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love her. But actually, she'd be really and responsible. Beyonce or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess. I guess. Well, obviously, she's amazing. But I just <laughs> guess. Um, I just thought that was a really good one because she's a diva of her time. Yeah. And I'm like, that was a really good answer. Yeah, it's a really good answer. <laughs> and um, yeah, actually wrote a whole essay on how feminism could stop war. And oh, yeah. Is that in a room of one's own? It's part of a room of one's own. Ah. It's called Three Guineas. So like, I think part of it went to become room of one's own. But Three Guineas was like that essay on how feminism c- could... Um, oh my God, the coffee is like regurgitating. <laughs> about how, um, Do you need an axiom? <laughs> what is that? Like indigestion tablets. Oh, wow, I'll just stop drinking it. Um, <laughs> yeah, she literally saw like war is obviously a man-made creative thing of like controlling, mm. oppressive, all like masculine traits and describes how feminism could like counteract that. <gasps> Stun- I love it. Stunning. It is absolutely stunning. That's a stunning answer. Is it deaverish? Is that what you're about to say? No, I was going to say, yeah. it's, it's between the acts. Is that That's a pacifist text, isn't it? That's like her last book, I think. Mm, maybe. It's like an amateur dramatic society doing putting on a play, I think. Oh, cool. I'm going to cut this. Mastery. <laughs> <laughs> is that one of the ones where something happens? I think so. Well, uh, did they ever go to that happened. fucking lighthouse? <laughs> I didn't get to the end and find out. They talked about it a lot. While we're on things like that, Godo, where is he? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I should have done a Mrs. Dalloway reference about my lilies. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah, yeah where are the hyacinths, isn't it? Oh, do you know more about it? No, I don't. <laughs> I actually don't. I just made that up. Hyacinth is T.S. Eliot. You should, like, not put this in. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know it's T.S. Eliot. We have three well, English degrees around this table. I'm just going on the hours. This is my only reference point. <laughs> what, Nicole Kidman in a fake nose? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I haven't yeah. put stones in my pockets. Oh, God, I've got a fake nose on as well as a wig. <laughs> I normally wear a wig, but now I've got a fake nose. Give me an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> my third insane question... <laughs> If I could turn back time, which diva would you send to which historical situation and why? Mm, who did I have? Oh, yeah. I thought this would be quite cool to see, like, Madonna <gasps> in the Jazz Age. Whoa. Oh! Whoa. Okay. <laughs> I like, can't remember why, but I thought <laughs> that was cool. Because, like, obviously she's like done every kind of genre of music yes what would happen in the jazz age just as a vibe as well mm. like kind of like rocking around speakeasies little what are they called chignon <laughs> oh yeah what are they called little bob kind of daisy gatsby bob yeah um it's quite interesting what she did with like vogue in the 80s mm. like kind of taking from the drag ballroom yes what would she do in the jazz age i don't know i just thought that'd be an interesting vibe I yeah. think she's probably thought about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Or Britney Spears. I just thought of that in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> like, what would happen to her in the jazz age? She'd probably be a lot freer. She probably would, actually. Famously, like... free time for women. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, under the radar free. Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking everyone only existed in speakeasies. <laughs> I'm like, say. everyone was having a really nice time. You're like, at least she wouldn't have a conservatorship. He's like, Everyone's life was a conservative. <laughs> All women were in a conservative ship at that really point. Fun. <laughs> We've it? just seen Bugsy Malone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, like, can you imagine Madonna Madonna's? with a pie gun. Oh, yeah, like Madonna is Tallulah. Yes. Have you seen Dick Tracy? This is what my friend texted me on the phone. Sure. You <laughs> <laughs> have been warned. <laughs> she was like, he played, but I was obviously reading my Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor book, so I was like, I don't have time to, to know what that is. 
don't have time to watch that. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's, it's not that good. It? Uh, That's she, not Jazz Age, is she, it? She plays um, a character called Breathless, who is <gasps> um, essentially Tallulah in right. a... In a I think it is the but Jazz it's the, Age. But it's yeah. the 40s, isn't it? Isn't Dick Tracy? Because it's Anything like, um... black and white, I get confused about. <laughs> <laughs> but like... He's like a PI, right, Dick Tracy? So I think yeah. it's probably like 40s. It's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like noir. So. It's a noir. So is yeah. that, that's the 40s, isn't it? 40s and 50s. So it's yeah. not quite... It's not the Jazz Age. Um, I think that'd be great. I think she'd get really, really heavily involved in... Um... Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say illicit booze like uh, right. bootlegging yeah, yeah 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 I think she'd be like this is how I, I'll run I run this town oh she yeah. could um, she would definitely return to that you know she she went through that brief period where she had a sort of suit and cane and a top hat kind of vibe yes mm. when she big, well, imagine her in a big fur coat showing up at, in like Boardwalk Empire and rocking up when they get a shipment of booze or something yes. and she walks in and it's just fucking Madonna in like a powder blue suit and Gorgeous. Like, <gasps> well, it's the me against the music video I'm thinking of yeah I was thinking that with her the and Britney together Yes. yes, in sort of um, deconstructed suiting. Mm. I love that video. Oh, it's so good, Hot isn't it? Does <laughs> <laughs> anyone else really like Madonna and Britney? I think a lot of people rip at them for that video, yeah, though. I think they do. The, because of the, like, the rolling around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to shock you. Yeah. <laughs> We've come up with this revolutionary idea. We're going to girls that kiss. I did, I did think that was amazing, though. Like, what, I was like 15 or something, like, or maybe younger. I'm just trying to make my, myself really young. <laughs> I was I like was five. Like uh, <laughs> I've seen it on the History Channel and it looked fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it was at that kind of age for us, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Come over here. I got something to show you. <laughs> that's a good Britney. You were saying no, you don't do impressions. I think that's a good Britney. No. Hey, Britney. Good Madonna. You could do this. This is your karaoke song. Did you just shake your head to say stop singing? Or you like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were like, don't. She said that's a good Madonna. I was warning you off it. That's Holly's thing. Easy. Back up, back up, back up. I was just trying to warn you with my eyes. <laughs> Look, I've grown and matured in the Panny D. Other people can like Madonna as well. Can be Madonna. Oh, that's the worst, isn't it? When you're like, but that's my thing. That's my yeah. thing. Oh no, they're singing. I have that. I'm like, oh no, they're singing. Yeah. That's my thing. And now you're in the room, she's got access to your eyes. Unlike, <laughs> unlike most people before her. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. There's that, um, uh, whenever you've come up with an idea on your own in your room, you're like, I've got this amazing idea. And then you take, you go outside and like, oh, someone else is doing yeah, yeah. Oh, that's zeitgeisty now, is it? But apparently, because uh, I spoke to a lawyer who's, who's a friend of oh, someone. Madonna. Yeah, yeah. I um, I don't know what I'm going to say about that. <laughs> apparently, no one owns an idea. You can own oh. your own work, but nobody owns an idea. Right. I'm bringing oh. some paranoia to the podcast. Yeah, right, <laughs> guys. Don't, don't worry. Don't speak about any of your ideas. So no, seriously, you can speak about an idea because I mean, pr- probably try to not do it like speak about yeah yeah, yeah. it's like a really specific one but everyone has ideas you know yeah oh shit um amazing okay material girl what's on your rider oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay obviously like i requested today black coffee yes really basic but i just need it to help me function um but oh, not too much. No, not too much. Because you get the shakes. Yeah, get the shakes. Do the. Sh- I've done the show on coffee before, like really, really, really quickly. Um, how this is the thing? Like, how much budget? Because I was like, coffee. There's no budget. There's no budget. No, that's the thing. So I thought maybe 
um, coffee, like not that kind of stuff. Endless, endless, like sparkling water. I heard someone had a masseuse, and I, yeah. I thought that was an amazing idea. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Just to like really limber up those vocal cords. Yeah. Turmeric shots, turmeric shots. Oh shots. yeah, I never know. The I little just, Pratt ones. Mm, well, mm. just some, anything. Spicy. I just like knocked them back in Edinburgh. Mm. But that's just basic like budget stuff. Maybe I thought it'd be cool to have a swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Traveling pool. <laughs> just because uh, I locally used to be um, a really good swimmer. <laughs> I was amazing, like genuinely. I'm, it's something that I'm entirely confident about. I'm amazing at swimming. Oh wow! I got ninth in the country. <laughs> like honestly, what? Like, I will. Like uh, yeah, ninth in the country when I was like sixteen. No way. Yeah. So <laughs> it would just get me entirely in the zone for a show. What's your yeah. preferred stroke? Um, butterfly. <gasps> no, no, she's Prob- good. No, probably. Yeah. No one ever says butterfly. It's like basically professional. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, now it would probably be Frank Rule, but I knew I'd get a reaction if I said that. <laughs> I always get a reaction when I say butterfly. <laughs> butterfly? That's a diva. Because no one could do it. I tried to do yeah. it, but I You can if you can't. train. I it's can't. like, no, but you could if you trained. Yeah. <laughs> if you were like me. <laughs> if you were, if you were me, as good as I am. Yeah. Someone texts me, like, you should be confident in all aspects of your life in the same way you are about swimming. <laughs> I'm just like, no, to- like, there's no doubt about it that I'm good at it. Yeah, and yeah. You can see it as well. Like if you guys were like, I'm faster than you, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> you won't cool. be. But you know how like with writing or singing or whatever, yeah. if you meet someone, you've got to, you, it's, it's hard to like show you're good at it if you're not yeah. doing it. Well, it's also subjective. So someone, mm, even exactly. if you are good at it, someone can say, no, you're not. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing. I'm objectively brilliant. At <laughs> I'm I like, ha it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Stop laughing. I'm trying to tell you something. That's amazing. I think we can organise a pool. Why not? Well, I just thought, I also just read, um, sorry, again, I'm talking about uh, our author, Loser. I just read um, <laughs> this amazing book, actually, by Deborah Levy called Real Estate. And she talks about how she'd love a pool, um, like, as part of her house oh. to get her, like, in the zone before writing. Mm. And I was like, imagine before a show... I'd just do that. You'd be entirely in your own head. And yes. Unless I was like producing it myself, in which case I'd have to like obviously yes. check ticket sales, be if this a bit was stressed. Edinburgh 2017. <laughs> yeah. Edinburgh 2017, no way I could get in a quick swim. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, pummeling, pummeling coffee. Is yeah. that like sexual? Pummeling coffee. I'll be like knocking back coffee. Yeah. Checking ticket sales. No time for a Crying. <laughs> I think that's where we went wrong with our subsequent Edinburghs because we did used to go go for a swim and stuff, didn't no, but we? As I said, you had. That's what we did. Each other. <laughs> we had each other. Of course, did we, we go swim. in the first year for that? No. You the didn't. second two years, we had we went, we found a place. At, is it Nuffield? Was it? Yeah. Mm, it's Nuffield Health nice. Centre, and they had a big pool, lovely pool. They had a gym, big lovely gym, lovely. and then they had and it was like fifty quid, wasn't yeah. it, for the whole month. But we were there for the whole month. Went every day. Oh, it was so lovely. we go for a swim, go in the sauna, go in the steam room. Lovely. Gorgeous. I'll do that when I'm like a produced stunner. Yeah, yeah make sure someone's doing the flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we flying. always found like an hour in the day to do it. And yeah. also we had to walk there and stuff. So like we were well skinny. Yeah, we were really thin. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this, the second Edinburgh, Edinburgh when I was like, sorry, should I stop talking about no. this? No. <laughs> um, the second Edinburgh, I was like heartbroken, um, but being produced... So I was like skinny, gorgeous, like, oh. <laughs> but like heartbroken in a kind of glamorous way. Yes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. 
very sort of like yeah 40s movie style yeah, yeah like I'm in pain but it's fine I get to sing it out oh my god did you take up smoking that summer as well oh, I wish I did yeah but I can't for my voice yeah <laughs> I'm a singer and a swimmer and a swimmer it's just yeah. not it's not gonna you work those lungs. Those things. yeah exactly incredible okay well this com- this leans quite nicely onto it so it's, it's all coming back to me now have you ever been a diva mm. <laughs> wow um yeah, so we were mentioning Edinburgh 2017. I think I was only diva-ish because I'd like produced this show myself and had worked so hard in it and wanted it, like had this idea in my head of how it should go. I think for the first couple of days, I was a bit um, like, I just said a few things to the really nice lighting guys who I became really nice friends with. And at the end, I remember saying I was a bit of a diva and they were like, you're great, it's fine now. Oh, it's <laughs> fine now. At the beginning, I was just like... That's what you want to hear. Well, I just, cause the, one of the guys was like, um, it was his first time doing it. So uh. I was like, <laughs> I was just a bit worried. And I was like, sorry, I was just a bit worried that it, like the lighting wouldn't work or something during the show. That I said something like that. Right. Which isn't nice. And it never happened again when I was fine. So I think it's just happened when I'm a bit nervous. Yeah. If you're not like a rich diva, aka Elizabeth Taylor, yeah. then it probably is more akin to mood. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, so when I was um, the second year, I felt like I had lots of like support because uh, I did it at the pleasant second year I just had a really fun time yeah it was just really lovely <laughs> yeah. yeah but when you're on your own yeah I just was really worried and I just remember going to sit with my friends like I need to like shut the performance down <laughs> <laughs> I guess like the Royal Festival will oh. like no but, like the first few performances yeah it was a bit deep also every morning um Jamie uh boyfriend makes me coffee oh great like you're in love island yeah yeah (laughs) that's quite deary isn't it that's great does that make me sound horrible no (laughs) do you ask for it or does he just i write no the coffee thing i think is like fine uh i just can't function without it but no the edinburgh thing i'm now like oh does that make me sound no 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 i just think it it just made me like a bit nervy yeah so then i was Mm. a bit like a bit oh my gosh will this work it's like an extension of the thing i think that like divas are kind of doing which is we've talked about it on the podcast before which is like you expect you have to go and do something and so you expect everyone else to be pulling their finger out and doing yeah mm. what what they need to do in order that the whole thing can work but also it's one of those things why a lot of divas that we cover are almost all generally performers because there's something about performing and i think i've probably mentioned on the pod before but i know we've trot this one out but um i had a friend a, a, a actor friend who was a bit older than me and he said his one piece of advice that he'd got given by someone when he was younger was uh, always remember you're the cunt that's out there right and that was he was basically just saying like and that is kind of diva because it does produce diva behavior yeah but the thing is when you have a load of people and you're entertaining and it doesn't work you look like you a, look like an yeah. prize twat yeah and i think part of that diva behavior like mariah carey like kicking off about something not being right or whatever yeah is, is that when she goes out there if it goes wrong she's her. the one that's gonna yeah. look like yeah. a prize twat yeah, no yeah. one's gonna go oh gary from lighting really fucked up there didn't yeah. they they'll go mariah looks like an absolute idiot yeah that's and it's the, the same thing. thing and there is that and then also i get that you, when you're nervous that gets amplified a bit yeah mm, that's yeah. yeah but i mean even, yeah so in, in the second year I I have this rap bit where they just play. It's literally one track. That's the only bit on my key lab, like one track. Really? But I think, I don't know what it is in my head. I got, I just had to go over the rap before <laughs> the show started. So that was, but that was kind of funny the second year because um, my producer then, Ryan, was like, she just needs to go over the rap <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before the audience come in. So I'd go over the rap before 
the audience came in and one time one of the guys there was a bit like there's not enough time to do the rap she was like she needs to go over the rap She'll be, she will be doing the <laughs> yeah, rap yeah, yeah yeah and I liked that support for that diva, yes. diva whim because yeah. I needed to know that the cue worked otherwise I'd have just been standing there thinking in your head yeah. all the way through is it gonna work yeah, is it gonna yeah, work yeah. I don't know yeah. so you look like a kind of control free but then it has to be slick you have to be a control freak yeah. in a lot of yeah. circumstances, yeah. especially when you're the only person on stage. Yeah. You have to be a control freak, which is probably why so many divas who go up and do these huge shows, mm. the Shares, the Madonnas, you know, the Beyonce's, like, I don't, like, Beyonce is a diva in a positive way, mm. but I'm sure she's also fucking hard ass. Yeah. And like, if you, if you, if you're fucking up stuff backstage, she's going to be on you or someone's going to be on you about it. And it's yeah. not because she's being a dick, it's because she's like... I'm the one that's out there. Yeah. I've got to produce the show. People have paid a lot of money to see this. You yeah. need to do your job right. Yeah. Because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And I'm the only one out there. Well, yeah. She's, oh, she's got dancers and stuff. <laughs> Me and all these dancers. Yeah. yeah. We're all on our own. They're like, I'm trying to do the rap and these dancers have to dance to it. <laughs> Try to do the rap. <laughs> no, but I ha- like for the, I always like to do like, for the record, as though like A-lister got a protect re- reputation. <laughs> For my second year, I think I was great because I had I had support. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it sounds yeah, like yeah. your producer made all the diva calls for you. So yeah, actually, you but and he was really, he was really fun and funny, and so would find things funny. Yeah. Whereas before I was on my own, and it, I was just like, well, this is just me in my head talking to myself, yeah. or like whining at my friends about it. Whereas if you're working with people, it can become like a funny thing. Yeah, yeah. Rather yeah. than like this is life and death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. In, in my own head. Because if I fuck up, if this fucks up, I'm the one that goes home on my own, sits there all night, being like, oh, so Edinburgh laugh, is laughing at me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that's yeah. my fault. And I could have, it could have been averted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always work, always work with people, people. <laughs> always work with people. Always, always work, with, work people. with people, people. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> They're the people listening. That's why you work work with me, isn't it? So you've got someone to blame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, lovely. I love that. And Tom's in the box. Yeah. Well, the last show, the show before. I was in a chair, the one after. You got oh, a no, chair. Yeah, graduated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You moved around in the second, the other one, I remember. Yeah. You, you still made it dressed as a cat, though. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. In the third one. Yeah. In the third one, it was don't get ahead of yourself. I know you got a chair in the last one, but now you're dressed as a cat. <laughs> cat back in the box. It's yeah. better than the box. It's better than the box. <laughs> And the final question, <laughs> arguably the only one that actually means anything. What does the word diva mean to you, the term diva? Yeah, I think we kind of touched on it with like, I think diva obviously used to mean singer, didn't it? Yeah. And then in my head, diva is literally like an Elizabeth Taylor character, lots of money, uh, able to like act to their every whim. And it doesn't matter, like, because mm. they have so much power. Um, but in my mind and at a more fringe level it's usually used more humorously isn't it yeah oh you're being a bit of a diva yeah because there's not the same budget that an actual diva has yes I think there's two types of diva there's like satire diva where it's like you're not a diva unless you're you know a queen Elizabeth Taylor (laughs) or like Beyonce yeah and then you've got your everyday divas yeah where you're just being a little bit moody or like you're sexistly called a diva or whatever <laughs> yeah 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 so it depends what person it's being aimed at yeah i, I yeah. like that a diva is someone with no consequences that's really interesting yeah that's a really interesting angle actually mm. to think like either that either there literally are no consequences because you are insulated because of your wealth and your power and your status yeah or that it's something you carry within you be like oh i'm just gonna do this because Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, not to step on E. Taylor bit, but there was, um, 
there's a bit where she's like, I realized when I was a strong commodity, or I realized when I saw Elizabeth Taylor as the commodity that she is, where she could shout at Louis B. Mayer, who yeah. was like um, being rude to her mom or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like, go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> she realized she could be like, go to hell without there being any consequences. He'd have to. On exactly. Her. Yeah. Her. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And she realized yeah. She almost saw herself as a separate person from her actual self because mm. she was so powerful. Yeah, that is diva. Mm. That's amazing. That's stunning diva. I mean, that's horrible to shout someone, but he was also a dick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's okay like, to shout at him. Go you to hell. Shout I love yeah. that. Imagine being like, go to hell, <laughs> and it's fine. <laughs> I don't know who I want to say go tell to that much at the moment, but I can imagine I would. There'll be point. there'll be someone. There's so many times. Yeah, yeah. Where you might want to do that, but you can't. Yeah, I mean, on a on a on a fringe level, on an everyday level, but just just saying, like, just I don't want to do that. Yeah, is so yeah. powerful, and we're and we're so often put in situations where where we feel like we can't say that. We're like, oh no, okay, I will end up doing this weird gig that doesn't feel right. Yeah, and like, not got a microphone, but I'll just shout. You know, it's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, was well, being a little bit diva is actually quite good for your work if you're a bit more like loose and like I don't want to do that or I want to do that, but it's also not sustainable. Yeah, like tutoring I can't be like a diva like not turn it up yeah exactly. she didn't feel like it. yeah, yeah I would love to sometimes yeah. but you can't <laughs> um so yeah diva means I guess an element of freedom yeah a big element of freedom and also someone who's probably entirely self-obsessed <laughs> <laughs> to the extent they see themselves as a separate commodity yes. <laughs> they're like Elizabeth Taylor the commodity I realized was incredibly powerful <laughs> Imagine I said that about myself. <laughs> it's about as just the commodity. <laughs> it's incredibly powerful. Uh, well, think Isabel is Rogers the swimmer, I would say. Oh, yeah. Right. See, I blanked out. I'm so yeah. sure of it. I'm like, yeah, incredibly diverse for swimming. <laughs> mm. Am I? Yeah, because I'm incredibly assured about it. <laughs> there we go. And also, I'll like go swimming and be like, I'll clear that lane. <laughs> I'll intimidate everyone out of it. Oh, amazing! From so from because I'm just so fast. Yeah. But like, say if you'd misplace your goggles, would you throw a, a fit? No, that's the thing. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> because you wouldn't wear goggles, or because no, I'd definitely wear goggles. <laughs> I'm now like, of course I'd wear goggles. <laughs> no, I definitely wear goggles. Um, no, I'd just go um, get myself a pair. It actually makes me really um, polite swimming because I'm just re- I'm just really assured about it. So I'm yeah, like, oh, I'm sorry. Have you got any goggles? Yeah. All of the energy is in your talent. Mm. <laughs> so you can afford to just be like, can I, I'm sorry, I don't have any goggles. Do you have any spare? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, Whereas, it does. Yeah. If you didn't have any plectrums, <laughs> you'd be like, you would never go and ask well, I'm, for one. That's the thing. I'm less um, self-assured with guitar. So you'd be like, I'll just get on with it. I'll just try. Yeah. I remember being like, oh, I don't have a spare guitar. <laughs> in Edinburgh. <laughs> I'll just, did you, you, didn't you borrow mine? I, did, I think. Oh my god! I think I did one. Yeah, I think it, you didn't did. I? Yeah. I think there was a string problem. But I remember before the second run to Ryan, I was like, I suddenly was like, I just realised, what if a string breaks on stage? I don't have a spare guitar. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, Oh, you probably should have said that before. <laughs> well, we got. And then here. I think also this is real low key fringe diva-ish and just maybe a bit mean. My mum once bought me a spare guitar to a gig from Brighton because <laughs> I freaked out about Aww. not having another guitar. <laughs> Like to Camden People's Theatre, like my mum bringing another guitar. I'm like, thanks, mum. Obviously, it's not didn't that need it. far. No, I mean, I she's mean, carrying on the train. It's a different city. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's divish. We're swimming. I'll be like, oh, I'm fine. Like, I'll just improvise. 
I'll just close my eyes. <laughs> yeah, literally. But that's just extreme confidence. I've always yeah. had a bit of a thing with guitar where I need a bit... Um, Assurance. I need a... Yeah, I'm not like a musician like some people are. I always right. use it to support lyrics. Right, right, right. Yeah. I realise that we just like... Am I just entirely talking about myself too much? No. <laughs> We've invited you on the podcast and asked you for questions about, about yourself. Taylor. We're talking about guitars. <laughs> well, we will talk about Elizabeth Taylor. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Talking about guitars and swimming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we will talk about Elizabeth Taylor eventually. We will. We'll, we'll have a little break. When we get back, we're going to talk about Elizabeth Taylor. Ah! <laughs> okay, we're back, listeners. Now, um, so we're doing, we've come to this thing, realization this year, because we're doing, we did um, Britney earlier in the year. We're like, right, when we take a diva of the scale with the, with the, where there's this much to say, we have to break it down. So, listener, we are doing Liz Taylor from birth up to Richard Burton, because that will be a future <laughs> series that we'll get into. But trust us, there's a lot, there's a lot to explore before we even get there. Um, are we excited? Are we ready to go? I'm psyched. I'm yeah. pumped. Yeah. I'm Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> what was that? Isabel's referring to her notes. <laughs> Just picking up my notes that I don't have. Incredible. <laughs> so, Elizabeth Rosmond Taylor was born right here in London on February the 27th, 1932, to American parents Francis and Sarah Taylor. She was born with dystochiasis, which is a genetic quote-unquote disorder that produces an extra row of eyelashes. <laughs> sure. And her eye colour was reportedly violet. They're actually really, really dark blue because no one has purple eyes. Oh, yeah. Violet eyes. <laughs> yeah, stunning. <laughs> Her father was an art dealer who had his own gallery in London. Her mother was an actress who'd been successful before marriage under the stage name Sarah Southern. Elizabeth had an older brother, Howard, who was born two years earlier. And the family lived in Hampstead, North London, which was and is full of rich fucks. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of this information has come from probably the most salacious biography of Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor by David Brett. I'll tell you this. (laughs) Which Isabel's read as well. (laughs) Which Isabel's read and can confirm he does not hold back. No. Uh, Brett takes a very dim view of Sarah Taylor, who he paints at first as first a conniving social climber and then the worst kind of momager monster. Yeah. <laughs> so prior to marriage, uh, Brett alleges that Sarah had been involved in a number of queer relationships. Uh, Frances Taylor also had a number of homosexual relationships, most notably with Elizabeth's godfather, Tory MP Victor Cazalet, uh, who Brett implies was in a sort of cabaret esque menage with both of Liz's parents. <laughs> Uh, and Liz famously went on to become one of the world's most prominent gay allies. So, yeah, might be something in her background there, potentially. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know any of that. Yeah, yeah. Sarah Southern was involved in, like, a sort of lesbian theatre group, wasn't yeah. she? They had, she had a... It was about, like, lavender marriages and stuff. Yeah. It's very, like, people... Who, some people are allowed in it, some people aren't allowed in it, and they kind of backstab each other for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, and try to outnumber each other. But yeah, Sarah seemed to um, use the sexuality quite a lot mm. to get Liz parts as well. Yeah, exactly. So I think it was just all quite fluid in terms of someone getting stuff out of other people yeah i always find it hilarious with like basically any time before our own like i said how i get confused about black and white films but like how 
everything is so prim and proper. Like if you look at read an Austen novel and then you're like, but they were shitting behind the drapes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the the forties and the pre-war, you imagine they, they are talking like this, but they're like yeah. like fucking like rabbits. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and completely fluid and just like Yeah. But they it's not reflected in the art so much. Not at all. I was literally thinking that because I watched National Velvet again. Um, yesterday and it's so like wholesome and lovely and funny and pure and then I was just thinking like how her mum would have like slept with like five producers to get yeah. the role yeah <laughs> and then you've got like her like cutely like wanting a horse and stuff yeah. <laughs> it's like do you know what happened back behind the scenes to, yeah. get, to make this pure movie happen exactly like, they were shitting behind the drapes yeah. <laughs> they were shitting and fucking behind the drapes yeah. <laughs> That's the title of my autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Holly Morgan story. <laughs> so with the onset of war in 1939, the family returned to the States and moved to L.A., Los Angeles. On the crossing, Sarah Elton... Oh, I, didn't like that. I enjoyed it. <laughs> no, I, I don't like it. <laughs> On the crossing, Sarah and Elizabeth saw Shirley Temple in The Little Princess and Sarah's evolution from social climber to aspirant to aspirant. Is that a word? An aspirant? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> To aspirant momager for Elizabeth was complete. Louis B. Mayer, uh, formerly of this parish, (laughs) offered Elizabeth a studio contract, but Sarah wanted her to try to go with Universal for more money. Sarah got more money. Elizabeth was signed by Universal in 1941 for $200 a week. And Sarah was also put on a salary. (laughs) At the nascent age of 10, Elizabeth starred in her first minor role in Universal's There's One Born Every Minute, not to be confused with the documentary about hospitals. No. However, Universal already had loads of child stars and they had also began to think that Liz didn't really look like a kid anymore. Mm. At 10. (laughs) So they ended up dropping her in 1942. Later in life, Elizabeth posited that Universal were frightened by her sheer boldness. Yeah, as you would if you were Elizabeth Taylor. (laughs) Uh, Liz couldn't sing, which thwarted Sarah's dreams of reliving her own Broadway glory. So Sarah needed to get Elizabeth another studio contract. MGM welcomed Elizabeth for Lassie Come Home in 1943, where she took a pay cut. In fact, she was paid less than the dog, but met her lifelong friend, Roddy McDowell, (laughs) whom she'd go on to defend tirelessly against the indefinite homophobia of Hollywood so yeah Sarah and Louis B. Mayer there needs to be some investigation into that yeah. relationship yeah like he hated her mm. and yet she repeatedly offered herself to him yeah <laughs> I mean the most powerful man in Hollywood probably the most powerful one of the most powerful men in the world and Sarah set out to become his sort of nemesis <laughs> yeah I don't I that, that's what I thought reading that they often are like she sometimes like turns down parts and turns down money <laughs> to like just for the hell of it <laughs> just to fuck with him yeah, yeah. and sometimes I'm like but no one was against each other at this point I don't know they just, he just says it that guy who wrote David Brett yeah right? and flippantly like they offered Elizabeth Taylor the part of this and she said no <laughs> Just because they wanted more money and then they didn't get the money and then they did it anyway. I guess that's just haggling, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And also like that whole thing of the thing about her not looking like a child anymore. Like she had to be this like virginal. Yes. Kid covered with fluffy animals and stuff. Yeah. Her purity and virginity was so important. Yes. Yeah. And I think Sarah and Louis B. Mayer were kind of in cahoots about that as well. Definitely. All the publicity in the magazines with her like literally looking like yeah she wasn't allowed to even know what the word sex was yeah yeah 
It's like she was so protected on set. Even when she went to the loo. <sighs> Even when she went to the loo. Yeah, she had to be escorted. I mean, from this guy's. Yeah. <laughs> Biography. All the information I have is from from Brett. (laughs) And the dog, do we think, also became a nemesis? Put down by Sarah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Lassie went home. It's so funny how we all knew that, that she was paid less than the dog. (laughs) But she got to keep the horse. A national she did, yeah. But I think because she, she'd like slightly fucked the horse or something. Not literally, but like the horse. Sarah. <laughs> but Elizabeth was like, no one else could ride him. So I got to take him home. <laughs> she was like, that was my the best gift I was ever given, the horse in National Velvet. So like, that's quite cute considering she was always given diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me like, a monkey on pony yeah, and I'll be happy. Like, the horse is, is my favourite gift. Some of those men should not have spent as much money yeah, as Yeah, exactly. I think she was Shetland. A, she was pure... At heart, yeah, purebred. I don't want to say other stuff in case it's in the. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well, well. Uh, Liz is in only four scenes in Lassie, but it guaranteed that she stayed on the roster with MGM with Louis B. Mayer putting her under contract for seven years. Whoa. For her next film, she was loaned out to Twentieth Century Fox for Jane Eyre as Helen. Helen. I don't know why my voice broke then. Helen. I get very upset when I think about Helen. <laughs> it's very <pretty> tragic. <laughs> the little girl who dies from TB at the beginning. However, Elizabeth was uncredited in the film. Oh my god! Surely that means. Well, these days, I mean, you wouldn't get paid, wouldn't it? Yeah, she got paid, but they just she got paid with the new creditor. Fair enough. Uh, Sarah royally kicked off about this, but it only served to get her in trouble with MGM, as usual, who put her on a warning. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Not a final warning. (laughs) She is not a particularly convincing dying orphan, to be honest. She looks like the radiantly beautiful... uh, That's Elizabeth, by the way, not not Sarah. Uh, She looks radiantly beautiful, healthy Elizabeth Taylor, but with a bit of a cough. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Age 12, in 1943, he gets her first proper break in National Velvet, in which she plays a British teen who disguised herself as a boy in order to compete in the Grand National. She got the part because she could ride. She had a pony in Hampstead, remember? Uh, and due to her dad's connections and Sarah's machinations behind the scenes. But she still had to enter into an incredibly rigorous training schedule and even wait several months until she'd grown a bit as the studio believed she was too small. Oh, too small. Uh, too, too small. Sexy, not yeah. Yeah, exactly. During rehearsal, she sustained a back injury from being thrown, and which was never looked at, so she suffered from chronic back pain for the rest of her life. By the horse, uh, yeah. presumably. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 not Sarah. <laughs> been thrown <laughs> across the room. Yeah. So what does this film mean to you? As well? you, you love it. You love National Velvet. How many times have I mentioned National Velvet? <laughs> no, I, I think that's why I chose that, because I remember yeah. watching it when I was little and just thinking it was amazing. Yeah. And I'd like do the stuff that she did with... Um, you know, she puts the like string on her feet and pretends to ride the horse. Yeah. I'd like pretend to be her. Um, but I'm like severely allergic to horses. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> that dream never quite came to the front. Oh no! Um, no but we, me and my mum watched it last night. It's actually like really funny, like really yeah. dry. Um, and just kind of amazing that this little girl won the Grand National yeah. disguised as a boy. Yeah, it's a true story. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I meant to look that up actually before this. No, I've not looked it up. I think yeah, it actually Google. is. Um, yeah, do a quick Google. Yeah, why not? <laughs> is National Velvet true? Is National Velvet is a documentary? <laughs> it's just, it's so clear her star power as well, isn't it? Mm. She, I mean, she's, uh, it is annoying. We spoke about this actually on text a bit, but like, because she's so beautiful. Yes. It's a really true story. Yeah. Hang on. The story that, is it my or me? Played by Mickey Rooney. 
My. My. Tales to Donald Brown, played <laughs> by Jackie Butch Jenkins, about a shipwrecked horse is based on a true story about a New Zealand bred that So it's the story about the horse that he tells, not the actual not the story. Actual. Oh, okay, sure. That's really funny in the film. He tells that to her little brother. But that's true. That's based on a Kiwi horse. Yeah. But the little brother's like, and did he die? This horse on an island that Maya tells. And he's like, no, he didn't die. He survived. And the little brother so like weirdly wants attention, I think, because of National Val- yeah. Velvet going off to the Grand National. He's like, he did die. He died and I was there on that island and I saw it happen. <laughs> he starts like crying. Aww. He's like, I was there. He died. <laughs> About this horse he didn't know. Cute. That's a side note movie. Have you seen the sequel? 1978? Oh, yeah, I, ha- I have actually. International Velvet? Yeah. I think it's just like you watch those movies at a time when you yourself are like forming. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't know what you're like. So obviously I was like a competitive swimmer and she was a competitive horse rider. So you used I'm, to swim? Yeah, I used to swim. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so many people do that to me. So it shows how intensely I do talk about it. I used to swim. Because <laughs> I like black out when I talk about it. <laughs> just like my genius of swimming comes out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I used to swim. Um, so I really related to her like competitive yeah. need mm. to get to the Grand National as I was aiming for the Nationals, ah. National Swimming Championships. Um, but yeah, I have watched the sequel and that's when she's older and her niece is competing in a, as a horse rider, <laughs> but it's not with Elizabeth Taylor. Oh. But again, there's like romance yeah, and say. stuff. Like, I love that. I always wanted romance and swimming, but there weren't really many boys. <laughs> Were there any really good swimming films? Um, uh, splash. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Beaches. <laughs> yeah. mm. oh, uh, Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> Do you know Mermaids, the little girl in that? I loved her. Oh, Christina Ricci. Yeah. Yeah. She was a swimmer. Yeah. That was a hard relate. There was like a 2000s like horror film, like slasher film based on a swimming pool, wasn't there? Was there? Why do I think that? Is it interesting material? Should I write that swimming thing? Yes. You're underwater a lot. Like, so if I did it literally, there wouldn't be much dialogue. (laughs) Just swimming. No, I think you should do swimming content for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. What was that called? What? It was like a serial killer. It's like a high school swimming serial killer film. A bit like, you know, I know what I did last summer, etc. All those sorts of things. Yeah. Scream. But it was set in a pool. They were all like... They were all called like Final team. Destinations. It's probably it's like the bit... last drop or something, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. We'll I don't know. Anyway. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I have a note that yeah. fellow with Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, uh, although National Velvet is generally considered pretty PG, at the time, it came up against a bit of a kickback from the code. The Hayes Code governed the major film studios for decades, requiring that their pictures be, quote, wholesome and, quote, moral, and encourage what the studios called, quote, correct thinking. That's quite... Mm-hmm. Quite, quite big brother, isn't it? Well, for, you know, with the whole Red Scare and stuff, quite communist... Yeah, actually, yeah. About correct thinking. Yeah. Uh, National Velvet bumped up against the censor's office due to Liz's changing body. Please omit the action of Velvet taping her chest and the line, I am flat as a boy. The code office ordered and the movie duly did. Similarly, they dictated that Elizabeth could not be shown in a locker room with semi-nude jockeys if the scene is to be retained at all. The memo continued, all concerned will have to be fully clothed. In the final cut, a few jockeys do, however, change their shirts. Yeah. <laughs> well done, jockeys. Yeah. Getting one under the radar as usual. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're very short. Quite so literally. They literally the go on the radar. Yeah, they just walk under it. Uh, yeah, I think this is what is in because, like, literally every biography of her, every tribute to her, starts with the most beautiful woman that ever lived, or mm. you know, some something about where she looked. Taylor. <laughs> yeah, the, the beauty, the violet the eyes. Yeah, the most beautiful woman in the world. The purple eyes. Yeah, and you kind of go like, yes, of course she was, yeah. but like, 
we're trying to have a conversation about her work and what yeah, she yeah. represents. And it's I thought it was really interesting that like her first big break, her body was still mm. the subject of controversy. Yeah. That's um, so interesting. Because also I was thinking about all the movies as well. Like a lot of her endings in it are of her as the sort of more, more morally like bankrupt character, the sort of brown haired temptress yes. to the blonde. Mm. Um, there's always like a blonde woman who's usually played by Eva Marie Saint, I think her name is. Yeah. Check my notes. But it's insane. She's always this sort of temptress character who, yeah, who at the end dies because she's like morally bankrupt. And yes. And obviously the yeah. seductress has to die. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting. Yeah, that starts literally when she's, what, 12 in National Velvet. Yeah. She has to be on the right side of her sexuality, um, not exposed to too many topless jockeys or whatever. Yeah. And then I don't know whether you're going to talk about like Butterfield A, mm. which I found so upsetting as an ending because um, you think she has a chance to be free at the end. Yeah. And then she spoiler um dies yeah <laughs> and it's so sad and also and i read about that that um they were like we had to kill her. you have to kill her off because she yeah. was a prostitute and like yeah. um morally those women aren't really allowed to survive yeah it's horrific <laughs> in this era and and watching it now you think um you're you're like oh maybe that's a comment on the fact that like her, she was fated and like she wasn't able to exist because her life was unhappy but actually it was just because you're not allowed to let a fallen woman yeah live absolutely. at the end of a movie in Hollywood it's, she hated that film and she didn't want to do it it, it was it's post Eddie Fisher mm. so because the public thought she was this harlot who destroyed the marriage with Debbie Reynolds yeah. which we'll get to dear listener yeah, don't worry so um, but yeah the, the, the studio were also like actually we can make some money out of her being a harlot let's make her play a sex worker mm. And that's why she was always a bit like, I won my fucking Oscar for the film I hated. Um, Which sort of, yeah, set her up as this kind of like, they found a way to exploit even that. So Mm. it's kind of fascinating and horrific. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And they'd read into every line, wouldn't they? Like, that's about the Eddie Fisher. Yes. Yeah, and he's he in the film. He's just literally saying he's it just, to him. He's just there. <laughs> Choosing between like the pure blonde woman who he's going to marry yeah. and like the sexy and Elizabeth. awful Elizabeth Taylor <laughs> yeah. comes in. in her mink. <laughs> like Carrie Fish is in the background. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Right, but back to National Veil a bit. Um, Sarah had been very present on the set, which is thematically in keeping with the film. And Sarah. And Sarah, as Velvet's desperate to please her mother as well. And this was like, Lizzie's now a major star and a major studio property during the course of preparing for national velvet the studio had put braces on her they'd removed two of her baby teeth they dyed her hair and they'd even suggested she use the stage name virginia (gasps) but the tailors refused liz later described the studio as a big extended factory which controlled all aspects of her life days were spent attending school and filming in the studio lot evenings in dancing and singing classes and in practicing the following day's scenes just like we were saying like she's completely wrapped up in this life there's no mm. there's no normality it's not normal childhood national velvet was a major hit and liz received great notices so to capitalize on this the studio published a book of her writings about her pet chipmunk nibbles and me <laughs> 1946 and she had paper dolls and coloring books made after her um yeah so like that kind of 
okay, so we've, we've, we've decided that we, we can police her body to a certain extent. Um, she's a beautiful, but she's also still a child, remember everybody. Uh, look at these colouring books. <laughs> <laughs> look at nibbles. <laughs> look at nibbles. It's so cute, isn't it? Yeah. But look how beautiful she is, but also nibbles. <laughs> oh, and her baby teeth are pulled out. I know. Yeah, isn't that horrible. fucked up? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah, I guess it's the same thing of the, the publicity machine having to show her as like the ideal child yeah. who doesn't know anything of the world. And is surrounded by cute little fluffy animals. Who she always, she always seems to like animals. She loves she? animals, yeah. Um, yeah. So promoting to the world this perfect young girl. Exactly. Nibbles is quite a good metaphor for that as well, because there, there were obviously several nibbles because <laughs> like they don't live very long. Give a new nibbles to set, please. Oh, there was only one lassie. Yeah. That's bullshit. I know, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> So Liz then spent the remainder of her adolescence being marketed as a real teenager set up on very public dates. Uh, MGM repeatedly cast her in her late teen films as a boy magnet and and with her 18th birthday on the horizon, she began to be passed around the studio system as a beard or for publicity stunts. The impetus from MGM and her mum Sarah was to get her married to signal that she was now an adult star. The studio pitched a variety of lavender marriages, faux marriages when one or other party is homosexual, uh, for example, a certain diminutive actor who enjoys a tikka masala and Dawson's girlfriend of the 2000s. <laughs> who could you mean? Um, who's very recently landed in the garden, so to speak. Yes. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say that. No, no, yeah. Oh, fair enough. I don't know who you're talking about, but yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. It's it's not a euphemism. (laughs) No. Um, And or marriages to other stars. She was briefly engaged to US Army pilot William Pawley Mm -hmm. when she was 17, but he wanted her to give up movies and become a homemaker. No, thank you. No, we won't be doing that. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. It seems that the first person she actually loved was Montgomery Clift, who she met whilst filming A Place in the Sun. So, Montgomery Clift... Yeah. So beautiful. <laughs> like, Gorgeous. She, beautiful she loved him so much. She, she like really begged did. him to marry her. I think. Literally. Well, yeah. David Brett. Good David Brett. <laughs> Massive um, unrequited love. And, but also just because I think he was the first person that treated her like an adult. Mm, and seemed to really look after her in a, yeah, in a more, like you said, adult way. Yeah. <laughs> Mutually protective way. How yeah. old was he? Monty Clift is older but not that much older okay, it's not... like she's she's 18 so he must be i think he was in his 20s okay right. that's all right it wasn't like he was yeah. 40 and she just turned 18 no but he, you know she she wrote him love letters and stuff and he he gave them away and i think was was kind of like oh i don't know what to do with the moral responsibility of this young kid that's clearly got a bit of a crush on yeah. me and i just want to look after her but i'm massively gay yeah yeah um although he did sleep with women um probably because of how endemically homophobic Hollywood was, he had to, you know, create There's a... so many lavender marriages, aren't there? So or, many. Like, just to keep them... Um, they just call it Scientology yeah. now, don't they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. It's I wonder why he turned it down. I, I, yeah, I guess he... Did it, wasn't he married, though? Wasn't he... Was, was Montgomery Clifford? I don't know, maybe, probably. I thought he was married... And so, um, and her, his wife was often jealous of Elizabeth Taylor, but it was obviously such a platonic relationship. But I thought he did have um, a fake marriage. Oh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it. We'll fact that. check it. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, so of the gay men in her life, uh, Roddy McDowell, Montgomery Clift, then 
James Dean briefly and um, Rock Hudson. Like she's just, it, it's these incredibly strong relationships that she has with these sort of like big brother type mm. figures. And it's it's so sweet that those are the those are the relationships that sustain her through her life because everyone's got to talk about her being married loads of times like she was completely emotionally fickle. Mm. And she wasn't. She was incredibly so faithful loyal. to those friendships. Yeah. yeah. And it's also like things, like relationships that are like unseen, like all her marriages that a lot that were quite like abusive as well mm. were seen and like celebrated and part of the spectacle. But her relationships with people like Montgomery Cliff were less like the visual ones or the public yeah. ones but yeah the most authentic yeah so that's why that separation of self I think happens like you have the public spectacle where she has to sort of play up to the cameras like throughout her whole life to promote movies yeah and then you have the private loyal um like you said like real yeah. friendships that you're not allowed to make real because they're not like love or sex exactly and the studio is probably going okay we, you're playing lovers in the place in the sun so let's let's lean on this for a yeah, bit and yeah, make people think that you are that. together and it's like oh god and then an 18 year old girl who's essentially grown up like some sort of russian aristocrat yeah. <laughs> would understandably get a bit confused yeah, be like, i think i'm in love with montgomery cliff now that's <laughs> so true how much would her like lens of love be about like i'm meant to love this person and he looks like who i meant to love so yeah I, do love him. I think her love for montgomery cliff was probably the realest one yeah <laughs> Having read the David Brett book. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what and he says. And known her personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, we've got a bellend about to enter. We've got uh, uh, uh. Conrad Nicky Hilton Jr. Uh, oh, oh, my God. He, not, he's doesn't even justify. Disgusting. Horrible man. Ugh. So he was heir to the Hilton fortune. He was 24. Liz was 18. Elizabeth was keen to get away from her domineering mother and she was also obviously reeling from the unrequited crush on Monty Clift. MGM and Sarah Taylor wanted to consolidate her as an adult movie star, not an adult movie, just as an adult in films. Um, she had multiple offers, uh, some from the same man, notably Howard Hughes, the film tycoon who repeatedly proposed to Elizabeth throughout her teens. Did a lot of things repeatedly though, didn't he? Mm. Oh, she did. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. <laughs> well he offered yeah. the tailors a six figure sum for their daughter which is sheer class isn't it yeah they went to his house didn't they yeah and she, but she even then was like no thanks yeah exactly That's quite good I like, don't want to marry the creepy old yeah. guy thanks yeah but that how old she then like 18 she's yeah. like no thank you I think he started cracking on when she was like yeah earlier. he had pictures of her up in his house of her like in National Velvet so gross. yeah <laughs> I was there <laughs> <laughs> It's horrible. I saw uh, them. I didn't know what to say. It's like, <laughs> yeah, like, how would this like, is that cool? <laughs> no. Howard Hughes. Ew. Obviously, not a well man. <laughs> not a well man. Um, but Monty Clift loathed Hilton, and he did everything he could to discourage her. Even Elizabeth had her doubts, as we said. She basically wrote to Monty asking for a lavender marriage to save her from Nicky Hilton. Mm. But she also seems to have this quite odd attitude towards marriage, slightly puritanical and she went through with it uh and also mgm bankrolled the wedding because they wanted to promote her next film father of the bride directed by vincente minnelli liza's papa oh yeah wow, there's some that. lovely hollywood maths Crossover, that goes on yeah, yeah. yeah. liza nice. taylor yeah yeah Gorgeous. Street yes. crossing. Yeah. Uh, the marriage, though, was a complete disaster. Hilton was an abusive alcoholic, routinely unfaithful, racist and anti-Semitic, but rich as a king, which did for our old friend, Sarah Taylor. Sarah! 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 Sarah. Sarah. 
Elizabeth reported that on their honeymoon, he punched her so hard in the stomach that she miscarried. I remember reading that. It's horrific, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. Horrific. Yeah. So married for just five months, Elizabeth was on the brink of one of the many nervous breakdowns she would experience throughout her life when she flew to be with Monty in New York, where he was embarking on his own, in his own words, on an epic fuckathon. Not on his own. Not on his own, famously. <laughs> Um, she, when she turned up there she'd lost a stone and was smoking two packets of cigs a day Monty was like okay we need to get rid of Hilton we'll be having a divorce <laughs> who didn't bother to personally turn up to the divorce hearing but sent his lawyer to ask if the marriage could be annulled so that he could marry in church again and she refused yes. Hilton would go on to marry Zaza Gabor and was also a total cunt to her as well yeah. and when he died in 1979 Elizabeth gave no statement and sent no flowers yes Tell surprise. Indeed. So, Elizabeth, eight months after marrying the irredeemable Hilton, finds herself at 18, post-divorce, hanging out with Monty and Roddy McDowell in leather bars in New York. Absolutely, yes, please. Iconic. Was that when they were in, like, the Fuck You crew or something? Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Yes. They just went around being really rude to people and, like, throwing shit around. Yeah. <laughs> they called themselves the Fuck You yeah, crew. Yeah, which sounds really modern. Yeah. <laughs> like, teenage, like, TikTok fans. Amazing. We're yeah. called the Fuck You crew. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that, that happy slapping? <laughs> Do you remember that from back in the day? <laughs> people would take their phone and they'd like go and slap someone punch and someone it. and the videos oh, became yeah. thick I don't know why I made me think of that um, I don't know either yeah. the fuck you crew well she's obviously like acting out isn't she apparently she had the mouth of a sailor as well yeah, which I love yeah keeps saying that doesn't it she loved to curse she was really foul mouthed yeah. she's so it's always like she got to go out with Roddy McDowell and Montgomery Cliff to the clubs and tr- go like cruise rough trade and be foul mouthed <laughs> As if they're all the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But you always, it always has to happen like in a club. Yeah. <laughs> well, she could be foul mouthed. Going around in these clubs. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Whilst cruising rough trade. For Montgomery Cliff and Roddy McDowell. I absolutely love it. Actually, there's a really funny bit where it's like um, they like trashed a hotel room or something horrible, and then Elizabeth Taylor felt bad, so then like paid for it and Aww. like paid all the cleaning stuff and like were nice to clean the stuff after they trashed it. <laughs> Like that's so. I'm like that's so her. That's so her. Yeah. Like trash something and then be like, oh sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was her though, wasn't it? She's like that was her diva. That's her other self. Yeah. Diva self and then authentic self, perhaps being like, oh that's that's bad. Yeah. I did that. Oh, I live amazing. (laughs) She's so sorry. (laughs) So that's where we're going to leave Elizabeth Taylor for part one. Thank you so much, my gorgeous Isabel. I'm loving it. Absolutely this, loving it. We're going to do plugs and hugs now. So what have you got to plug? Whoa. Um, Where can people find you? Well, I'm on Isabel underscore Rog on Instagram. Is that Rog with a DG or Rog? No, R-O-G-E. It's like Rog, but not in a pretentious way just because they didn't have Rogers. Um, <laughs> and I've got some gigs coming up at end of September, so I guess yes. just look on there for yeah. them. On, on, on Instagram, that'd on be Instagram the way to find it. On Instagram or Twitter, Isabel underscore Rog. Rog, R-O-G-E. Yeah. Incred. Oh, it's been so much fun. It's so fun. Thank you so much for having done so much research. It's so lovely. Yeah, it's like a absolute pleasure. (laughs) I feel like a massive nerd, but I've learned so much about our our girl pal and myself. (laughs) (laughs) It has been a voyage of self-discover, hasn't it? (laughs) Incredible. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Diva Energy. If you did and you'd like to reach out and tell us your own BDE stories, even your own Liz Taylor-related stories, you can do that. You can find us on the following channels. Twitter. At Diva Energy. 
Facebook. At Big Diva Energy Pod. At Instagram. At Big Diva Energy. TikTok. At Big Diva Energy. Email. At Big Diva... Email BigDivaEnergyPod at gmail.com. Patreon. Uh, you can find a Patreon in the show notes to this episode. Please do consider subscribing and uh, you will get some extra bonus content and early episodes and potentially some merchandise. Well done. This podcast is a Dark Mutters production. If you thought we captured you with our violet eyes and double layer of eyelashes, then please don't forget to like and subscribe. Alternatively, you thought if you thought we were undeserving of a credit for our role as an orphan with TB, get, get in, in the sea. Bye. Bye. By the way, that um, film is called Swim Fan. Okay. And it had, oh, sure. Uh, what's the name in it? Um, Julia. Julia Jones. No. Oh, Julia Stiles? Yes. Oh. oh, no, it's a girl that just looks like Julia Stiles. Save the last dance. Erica Christensen. Uh, that's not a Julia name at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely her, right? That's Julia Stiles. No, I can't uh, see okay, it. Fair enough. No, 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 it's not her. Anyway, it's called Swim Fan. It really looks like her. A high school senior with a promising swimming career has a one-night stand with consequences. Oh my god, Ooh. my life. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Not in high school, for sure. <laughs> Punished for sexuality. <laughs> high school senior with a promising swimming career spends every moment of their lives swimming. <laughs> for 90 minutes. Yeah. And reading Elizabeth Taylor books <laughs> in advance of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>